This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on um, Fubar Radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's fan club. <laughs> uh, my name is Nick Helm, and I am joined in the studio this week by the very prompt. <laughs> Thank you, Nathaniel. Let me just check my notes. Metcalf. <laughs> um, <laughs> so thank you for filling in this week. <laughs> Popping in last minute. <laughs> last minute replacement for Nathaniel Metcalf. Uh, honest, uh, like honest, no, no messing. Um, <laughs> I went to the gym for like a year and a half, and every time I'd go into the gym, they would go, "And you are?" And I'd go, "I'm here to see because my personal trainer's called Kenny." I'm here to see. Kenny and they go alright oh, okay we'll just see if he's there and then and every week I'd go in and I'd say hello and they'd go how can I help you and they'd look at me like I was a stranger <laughs> you know crazy I go to therapy every week and I find in there it's an absolute can of worms because I never really I always go in and go I may see Tom at three and they go yeah but they never sort of acknowledge it or do anything and it makes you go, am I supposed to do this? Or am I supposed to be like... You well, sort like of sarcastic. Acknowledging. Like, yeah. Nah. yeah, we know. And then I, I just sort of feel like... Because sometimes it's a bit like... But now I sort of think they do know. So it's sort of like, do I say anything? Or do I just go in and sort of give them a nod and go, yeah, I'm here. That's what you I've arrived. <sighs> and then it's what I, I just find that front of house is so regularly underestimated. <laughs> Yeah, I think you just want to have a... Because in that way, you want a bit of familiarity where they go, Kenny, and you go, yes, please. Aw. No, not like there's not like familiarity and not like they were like... Uh, it was like I was a stranger. They'd hmm. look at me like, who's this guy? We don't normally get people like him here. <laughs> and then you'd be like, oh, there's got to be a moment when you start going, oh, hello. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like... I mean, it wasn't always the same people, but they were the same people on rotation. So it's, yeah. it was fucking, you know, um, it's weird. <laughs> My therapy, um, I go on Saturdays, so it might, it might be like there's less people working. But um, <laughs> when you enter the building, there's no one around. You press a button and then they let you in, like a buzzer on the, on the room that you want, and then they let you in. And then it's like a haunted house. It's like completely <laughs> empty. And you kind of like walk up. There's a waiting room. Once I did, once I went just straight up, you know, uh, slowly you're creeping up like you're <laughs> entering a stranger's house, <laughs> burgling, like you're, you're like you're you're creeping up the stairs like you're burgling a stranger's house, right? <coughs> and there's a waiting room on the middle floor, and then the the room I go to is on the top floor. And um, I sort of like went up to the top floor and. A therapist said, oh, I'm not ready for you yet. Can you just go in the waiting room? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and then um, the next week I got there and I was like five, I was like five minutes early. I was on, or was all, just before I was due. And I got there and uh, I got buzzed in. And I went up to the middle floor. And so I sat in the waiting room for like five minutes. And then eventually I just got up and I went up to the room that I'm meant to be in she goes oh thank you for coming in and I was like but I've been in the building for like five minutes 
So, what do you think I was doing? <laughs> I think that, like, I think, I think, I always think there's a, a lot of that with it. I always feel like I'm a bit, it's a sort of weird test. Like, what's this? What's this supposed to do? Maybe it's because we're very fragile, and that it's, um, and that it's kind of like, okay. Well, well I think we'll it, it creates. It a, I think it creates a sort of. Oh, I always think that's an easy one for them. So I go, oh, why do you think that? Because if I say, I didn't really know what to do at the um, reception, they'll be like, oh, why do you not feel like you know what to do at reception? It's like, I'm just trying to do what, what the correct thing is, and I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Before you know it, that's another hour gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get on to why I wet the bed. <laughs> and not with urine. Um, with tea. I went, sir. Um... <laughs> Oh, by the way, this is um, uh, Fan Club. You're listening to Fan Club? <laughs> You're listening to Five Star Fan Club. Yeah. Uh, first rule of Fan Club is tell your friends about Fan Club. Second rule of Fan Club, Nathaniel? Please, for the love of God, tell your friends. Um, about Fan Club. About Fan Club. But yeah. don't tell, yeah, just don't tell your friends um, something. Specifically about fan club. Oh, tell them to watch fan club. Watch, watch it. Tell them to watch fan club. Yeah, look at the radios. <laughs> what you do is you oh, get it internet. up on like your listening device, and then you just watch the the numbers count up or count down. It's a pre-record, so there's less uh, energy and urgency. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get, we'll there. get there. Okay. Uh, I I once I I, uh, I did my back in, and I went to see oh, my boss's. Uh, uh, had like a, when was this? I'd say it would be ah, oh, it's probably getting on for ten years ago actually. Oh right, so yeah, go on. And uh, and I went, went to this when you were thirty. This. Yeah, about thirty. Yeah, about thirty. And I, and uh, my boss, he had sort of some back problems. And he goes see this woman. And he goes, go to see her. Um, she's who I go to, and she'll give you sort of a back massage. So I went to see this woman in Archway and. Um, and when just up the road uh, yeah it is not far and uh so she gave me this back massage and and actually no before i got there she said oh, actually i'm just a bit uh, i've got someone else here now could you wait five minutes she's just do you want a glass of water and i said oh yes please and she got me a glass of water and went into her so i went into her front room and i realized that she was like a sort of she also described herself as uh it was what do you call it like a masseuse slash therapist and I was like, this is weird. But all her books were all like um, um, David Icke books and all weird conspiracy <laughs> theory books. And I was a bit like, oh, no, who's this? And then it was all fine. There was, no, there was no sort of weird chat. And then at the end, she said, well, what you've got to do now, though, is be super relaxed. You can, like, so you've, you've had like a, sort of manipulated lots of muscles in your back. So the best thing to do would be really to do nothing now and... Um, and don't go home just yet. Just lie there for ten minutes or so, and just get kind of let everything kind of go back into place. Just sit down and try not to move. And so I was just lay lay back, and she goes, "Shut your eyes if you like." And it was just her, and her cat was wandering about. And she said, "Just whatever you do, just sit there, just try not to move a muscle." So I was just lying down, and I just had my eyes out like that, and I just saw her cat were on some bookshelves and then her cat just jumped on my balls <laughs> and I was just seeing the kind of ah, ah, ah and, and I was also trying not to move just sort of like rocking slightly but I was like ah, ow, ah, ah and, 
<laughs> but the cat loved it. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely loved it. I thought for a moment there, it was going to be another one of your uh, uh, accidentally got wanked off by a masseuse stories. <laughs> but, um, but I do have lots of those. You do have lots of those. But no, it was actually quite family friendly, that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. And then the cat... <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, so, um, uh, what have you been a fan of this week, Nathaniel? Well, what well have I've I... been meaning to ask. What have you been? <laughs> what have you been a fan of this week, Nathaniel? Well, I haven't watched a lot. I've never much chance, but I watched. Um, uh, I watched on Netflix. I watched the new Shaft film. Oh right, yeah. Now that's so weird. Isn't it's it? weird, yeah. It's because totally I, weird. I saw a trailer for it, and I thought that the original Shaft had just been released. Uh, not the original, the remake, the sure. Samuel L. Jackson remake of Shaft. Shaft, I say. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought that that had just been sort of like released on Netflix, and, they, and then I was just like, "But why would they be making such a big thing about it?" And then Samuel L. Jackson has not aged. No, it doesn't age. Well, that's that weird thing that in, in Captain Marvel, they have him in the nineties, and and they've sort of de-aged him. But you sort of go, but I mean, he kind of looks the that's, same anyway. He's not the and best he doesn't person. really look like you know, he doesn't look that much different anyway. He's not the best person to try that technology on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he could probably just get away with it, but you know, um, it's weird. Uh, it's, I don't, it's weird when they do that. Um, it never really looks right. Well, in the Shaft film, it has a flashback to 1989 at the start, and you know, they've just put him in a different hat. Of course, uh, they have. Because he hasn't aged. Yeah, they've gone. Yeah, that's fine, isn't it? And it, and it is. Cause the only goes, difference yeah. is he used to have hair. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, still got a different hat on. But was it 1999 that that film was made? I think, yeah, 2000, 1999. Right, because Christian Bale was the bad guy, wasn't it? And, yeah. Uh, and he'd, it came out around the same time as American Psycho, and that was obviously his like, breakout film. Yeah. So he must have been really slumming it, doing like bad guy roles in remakes of... <laughs> uh, well, I remember... It, well, certainly, I haven't seen that. I don't know if I've seen that either since the release or quite soon afterwards, but I was always quite fond of that. Um... And this feels like a completely different animal. Weird again that it's like a film. It's a, a sequel. Different, a completely different animal from the remake. Yeah. But the remake wasn't a remake, was it? It was a sequel. Yeah. So's this. But, it was the, but the sequel was the twist, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, because you find out he's nephew of. Although in this one, they retcon that to make him his son. And they make a joke about it. About how he just used to say he was his uncle, but really he's... Why? No, I mean, who remembers the Samuel L. Jackson Shaft remake? It was like it came out at a time when Samuel L. Jackson was making like loads and loads of films, and it was before we realised that he just sort of like did anything. Mm. So he was like, there was a, there was like a period of time when it was like, oh Samuel L. Jackson, he's really cool. Like he's made like a, you know, when he was announced for Star Wars, it was just like fucking hell, what's he going to do in Star Wars? And you go, oh. I was just going to sit around <laughs> pondering for three films. I mean, it was kind of like it, 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 totally miscast, but just they just hired him because he was like in the zeitgeist. Yeah, like, yeah. But like Long Kiss Goodnight was um, incredible, I thought, when I saw that at the cinema. Oh, great film, yeah. That's all. That one was that, 96, maybe, 97? Yeah, 96, 97. Uh, I don't think it was 97. Um, I don't remember it clashing with uh, Batman and Robin or Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Um <laughs> No, I think it was. Did it clash with Godzilla? 
Uh, maybe it crashed with uh, Godzilla. Um, it was. Uh, I think it came out around Christmas time. It was set at Christmas because mm. it showed black. But um, yeah, so there was like a period of time when Samuel L. Jackson was the coolest man on the planet, and uh, yeah, and then he's sort of like he hasn't long kiss good night, nineteen ninety six. I mean, I was right. Yes. Yes. Same year as Independence Day, obviously. <laughs> uh, year before October nineteen. Year before Men in Black or or, or, or Mib, as I call it. Yes. Um, I th- it was it was Men in Black nineteen ninety seven. I think it was. I think what it was was that I had some posters from Empire magazine, <laughs> and on one side was Batman and Robin. Right. And then the other Classic. side was Jurassic Park, The Lost World. You could flip them over depending on your mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, on, and then uh, there was another one. I think there was a, there was four posters, two two actual sheets, double sided. And the other one was Men in Black. And what would have been on the other poster? Well, if Men in Black was August 1997. Well, they were all the summer blockbusters that mm. year. So what were the summer blockbusters? In 97. In 1997. Just done that, right? Yeah, but, no, but um, we're missing one because they were, Lost World Jurassic Park you know Godzilla was that I don't think it was oh uh, could it be Armageddon was that yes 97? it was Armageddon it yes. was it was Armageddon and they were all kind of like <laughs> they were all kind of like the preview posters so Men in Black one was uh, it was a white poster with them standing there and it's kind of like you don't know what it is the Armageddon one was just like the circle with uh, the fiery circle with uh, Armageddon written through it. The Lost World was of a uh, couple of velociraptors in the jungle. And Batman Robin was like the headshots of all of them. Um, yeah, I remember that. Uh, but not Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Shaft at all. I just remember Christian Bale was the bad guy. And when I said Christian Bale was the bad guy, even you, who've just watched the sequel to Shaft, went, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so unmemorable. Yeah. Do they, do they but I, you know, I, do you know what? I, I, but I think of it as being quite... Like, when I was watching this new Shaft, I was going, I'd like to see the other one again. I feel like that was, that was a better film than this. Have you seen the original? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was at university, I got a Shaft box set. It was like Shaft, Shaft's Big Score, and Shaft in Africa. Never watched any of them. <laughs> really? I've still got it on my shelf in St Albans. Shaft is is good. The well, other two aren't particularly good. It got an Oscar. It's got an Oscar winning soundtrack. Well, is it Oscar winning? Was it Isaac Hayes? Mm. I think so. Yeah. And they Oscar almost winning. say "motherfucker" in the song, don't they? Yeah. They see their chairs. Bad mother, shut your mouth. Well, dog bell chef, <laughs> whatever it is, I love it. Um, that was on like this is cult fiction, a <laughs> uh, compilation uh, CD that came out off after Quentin Tarantino made everything cool again, and then um, no shaft's actually really good. Um, the shaft book's very good. Is it based on a book? Or yeah. Is the, did the book come after? No, 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 it's based on a book, but it's it's a completely different plot from the film. Right. But it's a great book, really great kind of sort of crime detective book. Um, so um, I, as an experiment, started watching uh, For Your Eyes Only last night. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it was the only... Right, so what, what, which one's that? Uh, it's the one with the uh, theme tune that goes, For Your Eyes Only. I, I guess, that, is that Sheena Easton? Um, maybe. Uh, but it's really weird the, the the sentiment to the song. She's like saying, 
For your eyes only will see me through the night. <laughs> and you go, I thought it would be like she's saving like her tits for his eyes only. Do you know what I mean? Like, I am for your eyes only. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But it's not. They're doing it in a kind of like a poetical <laughs> but, way. But I think if they were, the, that was with the lyrics, that would be a really funny <laughs> Joe Pun song. <laughs> My tits are for your eyes only. <laughs> um, it's just a really weird... You could have, like, two breasts with a seven on the end. And a gun going up in the middle. Yeah, that'd um, be a good the, um, the, animated sequence at the start. The, um, uh, no, it's just really weird, because the sentiment of the song is just so sort of, like, slightly off, you know? Yeah. Where, you <laughs> yeah, know, no, you're right. I, I know exactly what... Uh, the song should be sure, and it, and it really is um, for your eyes only because it's it's quite a clever title because it's based on the fact that a document would say for your eyes sure. only, and then you can make that into a quite a, like a a double entendre uh, romantic song where it's not the, about the it's not about the file that's for your eyes only it's for she is saving herself for him sure. and it's like a romantic thing right absolutely. And they don't go that route, even though it's a romantic song. It's just like a really, the lyrics are just really weird. Um, uh, but I, w what I did was, I the, hmm, the opening sequence, I see I was very, very drunk. <laughs> but the opening sequence was, uh, they're on a fishing boat. And then you go downstairs in the fishing boat, and then it's this big sort of like military submarine. And, um, That's a nice idea, and it was it was, it was pretty cool. And I think John, uh, Roger Moore turns up a bit later, but not uh, not on the boat. And um, uh, yeah, and I just tried watching it as if it was a spy film. Yeah, and it worked. Mm. It's actually a lot better than if you think of it as like which one is this one again. If you just watch it as like an individual one-off spy adventure, I film, think they're definitely the best way to enjoy them mm. when you when you look at them that way. I always find them really boring because I'm just like, is this the one with Jaws? No, it's not. It's not got Jaws in it, so oh, I've got to sit through this one. Is this the one with uh, Christopher Lee? No, it's not. Is this one with the Lotus card? No, it's not. And so you kind of like, well, what is it? It's Octopussy. That's what it is. Oh <laughs> fuck, that's fucking boring. Um, but um, uh, yeah, but if you, but to actually watch them as sort of like oh right because I think it was because it was the only one that was on Sky. I I think I either Googled uh, well, I must have Googled Roger Moore. And by Google, I mean press the button on the side of my remote control and said Roger Moore. Does that? Can you do that? Yeah. Hello. Um, it will say hello. Apparently, if you if well not apparently if you can so it's like a sort of. Alexa device or something. Yeah, but you press a little button on the side of your remote control, you can say yippee Kaye motherfucker, and Die Hard will come up. Mm -hmm. um, or you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Italian job. And then Italian job will come up. Does it work? Ooh. Hello. Do you have to do the... Not for uh, everything. You don't say hello, though. No. Are you saying hello is in... Like a Terry Thomas kind of way. Kind of. Hello. But more in a kind of, wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. It is, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, of course, uh, when they told me about it, uh, <laughs> the, 
the first thing that I did was I pressed the button and I said, Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I use as always. And whenever I'm sort of demonstrating it to someone, I always go, Adam Sandler. And Adam Sandler films come up. Um, so tell us about this shaft from them. Well, it's now, there's now three generations of shaft because it's about Samuel L. Jackson's son as well, who's like a sort of, um, and there's sort of lots of jokes about him being a kind of millennial. But he's like, um, yeah, right. Because it's like it's all like um, there's lots of jokes about him looking like a, a barista, and he's he's like in the FBI, but he's a, na- a data analyst, so he's not he's sort of not seen as tough. And uh, but then actually, you sort of find out as it goes on that he's into um, what's that Brazilian martial arts thing called? He's oh. into that, so he's actually quite hard. Right. And, well, of course. And then by the end, he's like basically another shaft. He's like another that is the young male, shaft. That's the male equivalent of um, a, uh, a beautiful woman wearing glasses and being written off as a nerd mm. until she takes her glasses off. And then the, op- the opposite of that is when there's sort of like a nerdy looking guy and it's just like, and then he takes his top off and he's like built like a um, cunt. <laughs> he knows all the martial arts. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's it works that. both ways, guys. It works both ways. <laughs> it's um, and it's it's pl- all played for laughs in a kind of quite an odd way. It all feels like it's. It really felt like a nineties TV pilot. Is it like a pastiche? No, it's not. It's but it's, it's like this. Like loads of it's all jokes. It's um, Tim Story directing it. And uh, he did the Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. yeah, right, right. And it's like he's a really lightweight director. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's nowhere near. One of the things that I think for a Netflix film that I found weird was that it's all actually shot in two thirty-five to one ratio. So on a computer screen, it's actually quite a like widescreen. Yeah, it's like we sort of so that seemed quite odd, <laughs> but it did. It felt like in a way this is probably what Netflix should be for where they're basically doing essentially what would be a straight-to-video film. Of course, it had a budget for 30 th- uh, of 30 to 35 million. Okay. What Tim did Story is making a Tom and Jerry film. Oh, God, please don't. Um, what what <laughs> was the budget for the Samuel L. Jackson... Uh, for, the, for the first... For the... Is, the 2000... What, what's his name? What's the original Shaft called? Shaft? Townsend. What, what do you mean? What, the, actor, the director? The actor. Oh, Richard Roundtree. Richard Roundtree. Richard Roundtree. Right. So Richard Roundtree, was, is he still alive? Was yeah, he, he's still alive. So he's, he's in it. Play, so he's in it. He's like the granddad shaft now. Right. Granddaddy shaft. <laughs> um, yeah. And the film is perfectly fine. But do you know what I mean? You're watching something and you go, oh, it's sort of really weird to see something which isn't that big now. <laughs> <laughs> and then which was how much was the Richard Roundtree as well so the Samuel Jackson shaft was 46 million so that cost more money than, than the yeah, one they've made of course but I think that film it's really worrying that films don't cost 30 million anymore mm. um, god it just made me but then that Venom film was kind of like mid budget and that was awful <laughs> I think it's confusing to name a new shaft film shaft, shaft. having just like it's a sequel to shaft well, I wasn't going to talk about this on this one, but um, I just watched last night. I'll talk about it on this one, this pre-record. Makes sense. Uh, I watched The Thing last night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same name as The Thing, despite being a prequel to The Thing. 
Yeah. And it's like Halloween. They, Halloween oh, yeah, Halloween is out. the most... Which is... It, the new Halloween is a sequel to Halloween, but called Halloween, right? Um, but it's not Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> There's three films called Halloween in the same franchise. Yeah. Two of them are directly linked. And one of them is a direct sequel to... Why don't they just... Because, like, this one just feels like it could be called, like, Shaft Legacy or something. Or yeah, Shaft... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generations. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, the budget for the 1971 film was 500, I'm assuming that's 1,000. Yeah. That's half a million. Half a million. But it would have um, been, that's a low-budget film. Yeah. That would have been one of the uh, inspirations for uh, Live and Let Die, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That All probably would have cost circle. Lots, a lot more money. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I was in, it was interesting because they, were, they, they basically were like... Um, how can we, um, what can we do with, with Live and Let Die? Uh, they were like, uh, so, right, we're, um, what do we do to start off this one? What's, what's something that we've not done before? And I think they were talking about doing, uh, like, a wedding, but they were, like, saying, no, we don't want to do a wedding. So they said, well, what about a funeral? And then they said, what about a, a New Orleans funeral? And they were like, yeah, okay, we've not done So they built this whole sequence, but then it was kind of like, it's for, like, a five-minute sequence, and it would have cost a lot of money. So to ensure that they would do that sequence, they basically set the first half of the film in New Orleans. Okay, yeah. Because they said, we're going to be there anyway, guys, so we may as well, you know, use the budget. You're not going to use the budget to go out to New Orleans and just film a funeral, but if we've got kind of, like, um, some chases, I think, in the Everglades and stuff like that. I don't know anything about the geography of New Orleans, but um, there's, like, an Everglades chase, which would be Florida, but... um, but they did all of this stuff that was kind of like site specific for New Orleans and then that ensured that they got to film there which I think was kind of interesting for all of you screenwriters out there <coughs> try, try and double up your locations <laughs> do you know what I mean so that kind of like uh, you're, you're, um, uh, when we were scouting for locations for uh, the boxing thing we needed like four things we needed like a reception and a boxing ring and a locker room and a shower and you go right well, let's all in that place yeah so we can film all that and it's just a case of moving the camera whereas one of the things we did have to cut was another gym because then you'd have to find another gym and you're just like well don't do that um and on uncle we filmed in a uh college during the summer and the college doubled for um a college a writing school a hospital, an airport. Um, an uh, airport? Yeah. It was, there's, a, there's a scene where I'm in an airport and basically there was this glass walkway in this college and we just put up monitors to make it look like there was okay. uh, with plane information on it. And it was just it was just like literally one shot of me on the phone to Errol. And um, it was just incredible. We filmed so many... Oh, it was a funeral home. Like, we filmed everything in this college. The, the art department just kind of, like, made things look like the thing that they had to be. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was really, really cool the way they did all that. Um, and like, they didn't, like, build sets as well, because in the first series there was, like, a scene that was set in kind of, like, a farmyard, uh, a farmhouse toilet. So they just built... Because you didn't see the farm, so they just built a toilet in the in the offices that we were working in <laughs> and uh, filmed it in that but with the, the, the just set decorated everything it was incredible 
You'd go in. I loved the art department. You'd go in every day, and they'd, they'd have done something else that was magical. And you go, "Oh my God, you've absolutely nailed that! You've trans transformed that into something else." Um, yeah, and actually, on a larger scale, uh, Croydon was like that because Croydon's got so much different architecture that you know what you could film like the town hall, and it would be one thing, and then you'd move the camera, and then it would be like a suburban street, and then you'd travel like uh, ten minutes across town, and then there was a cabin in the woods, and it was kind of, um, and it's cheaper than filming in London, hmm. but to the point that I think at first it was meant to be doubling for London, and then they just said we'll just set it in Croydon so that we can film at the station as well and stuff like that, but um, yeah, it's good. Um, not that Croydon's not in London, guys. Um, hmm. Everyone always complains about Croydon, but I think it's incredible. Uh, not well, incredible is a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was, it was, it was, it was very useful and uh, good to film in. Although there's a tram just over the road from the, uh, the just outside the station. Yeah, and you got across the road, past the tram, and it's so quiet that I imagine that people get killed all the time because I you know there's a couple of near misses the trams the, the trams near you I mean but the, it's quiet the trams are so quiet that you just got across the road and you're just like oh my god there's a tram so yeah but um, that's the only downside to Croydon I would say hmm. <laughs> being killed by trams what have I been a fan of this week Nathaniel yeah, what have you been a fan of Croydon. trams Croydon 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 absolutely uh, going to play a song and then uh, I guess we'll talk about this new film that I watched The Thing Be cruel to your school. Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio that was uh, Be Cruel to Your School um, talk us through it Nick uh, what, uh, what genre we're just saying that was in. That is kind of like uh, uh, honky tonk rock honky and roll. Honky tonk rock and roll, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's Twisted Sister doing honky tonk rock and roll, featuring Alice Cooper uh, on. Uh, I'd say backing vocals, but he's basically it's a kind of a duet. And then it's also uh, got Billy Joel on the piano. Uh, but I was just like talking. We were, I was just talking through it. Like um, there's a key change in it towards the end which is very satisfying and uh, um, and the music video for it it was kind of like a big deal at the time the music video had who's that really tall b- bald guy out of the Hills Have Eyes oh I know yeah, you know him? yeah, so yeah. He pl- he's in it playing the headmaster uh, of this school and I don't remember this video what era are we talking this is like um, late 80s it would probably be on the uh, just on the cusp of um uh, it'd be part of Alice Cooper's big like late '80s comeback, so it, it was probably. Can we Google it? It was like '89, I would say, and, and if if not '88. Actually, Twisted Sister. So maybe it was um, maybe it was before Trash. So oh, like 1985. Yeah, so that makes sense. It yeah. was like he was so Billy Joel as well would be like full on big uh, at was, his height of Billy was, Joel, and it was like uh, a, what, what you call it a, um, a supergroup. Yeah. You know, and so the music video had like actual movie stars or recognisable horror icons. Yeah, in it. and then um, the story for the music video is that I think it was banned actually the music video because there were all these uh, 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 teenage zombies that are like walking around the school. So were they thinking thriller? I don't think they probably were. And also interestingly about thriller is thriller has that voiceover by Vincent Price, yeah. but Alice Cooper used Vincent Price in one of his songs in 1975. 
So uh, the precedent for <laughs> on Welcome to My Nightmare, which was Alice's first kind of solo album. Um, uh, one of the things he did was he got Vincent Price over. Uh, he was basically, I think, he was under contract with another with another company. This is either this is either about Alice or it was either the Beatles. But um, oh, they've, they've caught you. Yes, that's the uh, just had uh, yes. the police on. But um, the um, <laughs> the fucking hell, I wonder if that I wonder if that even picked up on the microphone. I think it. Well, I heard it through my he- headphones. Oh yeah, it bloody did. Of course it did. The nodding through the room. Um, <clears throat> so I think he was under contract uh, with another record label, and then he wanted to move over to Warner Brothers. But I got the feeling that he was always with Warner Brothers. So maybe this is maybe this is the Beatles. But um, there was a loophole where. If he did a soundtrack, then um, he could change record labels. Okay. So for his solo album, basically what he did was he he made a TV special called Alice Cooper, Welcome to My Nightmare, and then released an album off the back of that as a soundtrack. And um, Vincent Price was in the in the special, and. Um, uh, it was like like a 1970s kind of like Halloween. Rock, I'd, I think that'd be rock a lot of fun to watch. Is that available? Uh, yeah, um, it's on DVD. It got released. I think it wasn't around for a long time. I think it got released either like within the last couple of years. Okay. Uh, but then there's like there's, and then it was like a huge. It was like the biggest selling tour of all time. Uh, so there's kind of like there's the album, there's the TV special, there's the tour DVD. So then were it was actual record company a bit like. Furious. No, I don't think so. But then I think also it was kind of like complicated because uh, basically, um, so this is the album that is the era that 1975. That is the album where basically he went solo. So the rest of the band, Alice Cooper wanted to put more and more money into all the theatrics, and the band, the rest of the band wanted to concentrate more on the music, Mm. and. so they all had the opportunity to just and they'd also like they were burnt out they were doing like three albums a year for like four years although they didn't release that many but it's something ridiculous or oh, two albums a year so like the school's out and uh billion dollar babies came out in the same year and then um must of love came out and it didn't sell as well as the others and the concept wasn't as strong behind it and they were all kind of burnt out and they sort of blamed each other that the album wasn't as successful. So Vince Fernier changed his name to Alice Cooper and released a solo album as Alice Cooper, <laughs> which is kind of like, which is so cheeky. And uh, But everyone referred to him as Alice anyway. But like, if you hadn't known all the ins and outs, you'd just assume it was the band. Yeah, yeah. And then he, uh, and then he went, uh, he did a solo album, which was the biggest selling album of all time. Uh, backed up with the biggest selling tour of all time uh, and uh, then they were like hey do you want to uh, reform the band now and he was just like why why would I do that and then you know they all fell out with each other and uh, got yeah, I'm not surprised the, bi- the, um, the billion do- the, the, the rest of the band formed a band called Billion Dollar Babies and they released a solo album which isn't bad uh, but um, it's not it's not as good as the worst Alice Cooper band album um, but there's a couple of good songs on it it was called Battle Axe, um, which, as a completist, I own. Um, uh, yeah, but anyway, so obviously Alice Cooper was a huge Vincent Price fan. And also, I think that, I think it just got really messy with dr- drugs and stuff. Mm. Um, but then they, re- you know, they, they're all on like the most recent album. Well, not all of them, uh, one of them died, but um, over the years. 
Uh, I think it was... No, I'm not going to guess because I can't remember which one. Um, I would have known when I was boning up for Mastermind. Um, Alice Cooper. What, for the just entire career of Alice Cooper, did you do? Uh, yeah, I read three books. Did you, Was there anyone on Mastermind who did things that were like, oh, come on, mate. I've done, I'm doing the whole career. It's not like people go, I'm doing this person, 1981 to 1982. Yeah, I can't remember the guy I was with. He was a Special Olympian. Um, I can't remember what his name was, but he was doing Terminator films. And I said in the green room, you know, go on. Uh, so I, I wasn't like being, I was like trying to like, I was trying to quiz him to help him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because it was just like, oh, I could do this. So what said, year was Terminator 3? I said, who played the T-1000? And he goes, oh, um, oh, I it doesn't matter and I was just like it's Robert Patrick and then he went on and they said who played the T-1000 he said Robert Patrick and when he sat back down I went you're welcome because <laughs> <laughs> it was just like one of the one of the ten questions that they they asked him was who plays it it's like it's such an obvious one um, and I that was a bit of a thing and then also I mean I'm going um, I'm getting, I, was, I was really pissed off I because I did a hard question. I did really well on that um, oh, there you go. It was John, John, John Allen, Allen Butterworth. Butterworth. Yeah, that's right. Paralympic cyclist. Um, Paralympic cyclist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was a nice guy. They were all nice guys. We've been fed information by producer Abby, who has stepped in for Natalie this week and he's given us some top information. We've been given. Uh, who won? Who won my my celebrity muscle man? There we go. Um, Kimberly Nixon. So Kimberly Nixon goes on. She's Kimberly Nixon. Uh, she is an actress. She was in Heaven. Heaven, right. But she's been in lots of other stuff. But I can barely remember my own IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so right, Kimberly Nixon goes on. And, um, and one of her questions, she was doing uh, Agatha Christie novels. Right. And I have to say, her questions were short as well. And one of the questions was, what was the murder weapon in... Uh, whatever book it was and uh, she said it was a rock and he said it was a, a crystal paperweight I'll give you that and you go what? that's like <laughs> a completely different that's a different thing that's a different thing you know uh, and he said what are the ingredients of a gin and tonic and she said gin and he went and oh tonic that can't be a question what's the ingredients of gin and tonic yeah if you watch it, and it was kind of like she had like the most fucking chin and and he go chin and got, tonic. It's like repeating the question back at him. I got like chin I, and tonic. I, yes, I can't. I I did have like what are the ingredients in uh, what do you call uh, a mixture of uh, lager and lemonade? And I, I think that was my one of my questions. So there were some quite easy ones, but um, she like. I got like how many points did I get? I think I I can't remember. I either got twenty two or twenty eight points. I did I did pretty well on the Alice Cooper one, and um, but the questions were so fucking long, and I was reading a book uh, the night before, and I sort of fell asleep during a chapter on uh, when Alice Cooper supported the Who in Finsbury Park in London. I sort of fell asleep during that bit, and then I woke up, and then I carried on reading. Like I like closed my eyes for like a, a, you know a second, and then I woke up and I carried on reading, and I was just like, should I reread that bit now? And I was like, no, that'll never come up. And that was one of the questions, <laughs> and I got it and I got it wrong. I had to pass it, but I was so furious with myself about that. Um, 
Yeah, really long questions. Anyway, she she beat me by like 10 points, but you know, come on. She didn't get them all right. She really beat me by about eight points, let's be fair. Uh, films filmed in Croydon. Jason Bourne, The Da Vinci Code, Cuban Fury, Batman, The Dark Knight Rises, Made in Dagenham, The Long Walk. The Long Walk? What's that? That Robert Zemeckis film? What's no, the long that, walk? was that The Long Walk? The Long Walk what? Oh, 2017? No, I can't think. It can't be that Robert Zemeckis film. What was that walk. one called? The Walk? That was called... The Wire? The Rope? Yeah, something like that. The Bridge? That? Matt, no, the, that was the... Uh, Man on Wire? Man on Wire was a documentary it's based on, wasn't what it? What was that one? What was This th- is based on a Stephen King, King novel, novel, I believe. The Long Walk. Yeah, right, okay. War Machine. <laughs> Brad Pitt. That was a Netflix film. Criminal. What was the what's the Robert Zemeckis Twin Towers movie? Uh, um, oof. Not the Long Walk. The Walk. Man on Wire was the. It was called the Walk. It was called the Walk. Is it called the Walk? It is called the Walk. Come on. Is it the Walk? Are oh, you nodding? Right. Okay. Sorry. Um, you got to understand that I was looking at the screen for the information, uh, uh, and you are sat behind me, so that's that didn't quite work. But you've been so good up till now. That's a shame. <laughs> um, and the blockbusters of summer 97 were the fifth element father's day oh god fucking, father's uh, day. uh billy crystal and robin williams oh, oh yeah. fucking terrible the lost world Jurassic park con air one of the greatest movies of all time batman and robin face off uh Achilles. 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 air force uh, my Best Friend's Wedding, George of the Jungle, G.I. Jane, Money Talks. Isn't it interesting that I really like that as an idea that that would have been your slate of, like, here's all your films that are coming out. But there's actually lots of different types of films amongst them. They're uh, not all like, of, of one flavour. <coughs> They're not all explosions, mm. yeah. It's really interesting. Um, and also that Father's Day would be, like, one of the studio's, like, big banner things, like, Oh, great, we've got these. We've, spent we've got Robbie, Robbie, not Robbie Williams, Robin Williams and Billy Crystal movie. I reckon that had a budget of 50 million yeah. Father's Day. It was Ivan Reitman directing the comedy. Yeah, and just going, yeah, this is a really super 85 million. Father's Day had a budget of 85 million. Wow. Fucking hell. Well, that, a lot of a lot that would have gone... That would have gone to Robin Williams and Billy mm. Crystal. What would they got paid? 15 million each? But it's funny that a movie like that could be like a total banner... Like uh, one of their big slate movies for the year. It only made thirty-five million. Yeah, sure. it was a fucking piece of shit. And also, <laughs> uh, do you, it was ninety-seven. Do you remember they both appeared on Friends to promote it? No, I don't remember that at all. They were playing. I think they were playing a gay couple in uh, Central Perk. Okay. And uh, the guys came. And they, oh wow, they really stole the show. Oh, I don't God. even remember the it. Audience went wild. It was fucking awful. I love Billy Crystal. So um, do I. I, remember, I really like Mr. Saturday Night as a film. I think that's a really. Uh, I, I love Billy Crystal, but there was there's this really weird. Um, there's this really weird. Uh, uh, there's the Robin Williams documentary called like Come Inside My Mind or something like that. Uh, you know about like Robin Williams yeah. that could be a James Bond song as well couldn't it come inside <laughs> my mind <laughs> it's coming from behind 
Uh, it wouldn't be the same tune as For Your Eyes Only, obviously. Um, but this is working on it. I like, I like Billy Crystal, but in the Robin Williams documentary, all of Billy Crystal's anecdotes about Robin Williams are about a time when Robin Williams found Billy Crystal funny. <laughs> so it's like he'll go, oh, I remember Robin was ill in hospital and uh, I sent him some voicemails. Uh, I, I created a character and I phoned him up and uh, that really made him laugh. Yeah, this is a horrible story, Billy. Yeah, sounds a little bit like self-promotion. <laughs> um, but it's weird. I just think that it, Billy Crystal, as a comedian, also, I bet that character was dreadful. Yeah, but but Billy Crystal as a comedian was so famous, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, like so famous, uh, and he is so rich, and he was so successful, and all of that stuff. That it, you just must have an incredibly warped sense of. Uh, yeah. What's acceptable in a, uh, mm. in a yeah, documentary you think, like, about your? You got any funny that, stories about Robin Williams? Yeah, yeah, I've got loads. I've got loads of stories. Uh, they're the all about. I, I made him laugh. It's the time that uh, he needed some advice, and I gave him some really good advice. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, a lack of self-awareness about that kind of. It was. It was weird. Um, Money talks. Is that the Charlie Sheen Chris Tucker movie? Is, that, wow, is this like a, yeah. is this like a is this like a top ten movies of nineteen ninety seven or just like the summer blockbusters? Because summer blockbusters, money talks. Wow. I mean, that's that, I think that got one star in Empire. I think yeah, like, but I do, but I can I can totally get behind the idea that this would have been like their, um, um, this would have been their slate, like studios going. Here's what we've got. We've got this, 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 and this. Yeah, and they would have gone. Wow. Yeah. Sure. It just looks so different now, like the uh, the um, uh, the prospect of a sort of summer blockbuster list now. Mm. Um, uh, anyway, so I watched. Uh, okay, and reporter James Charlie Sheen brings petty crook Franklin Chris Tucker to justice, but as Franklin is being taken to jail, he is unwittingly drawn to a violent prison break. The police pursue Franklin, mistakenly thinking he killed several officers. So the fugitive turns to James for help. Frig figuring he has stumbled upon the story of a lifetime, the journalist agrees to prove that Franklin is innocent. Unfortunately, things don't go smoothly. That's too complicated. I stopped. I stopped <laughs> listening. I stopped listening to myself. That's way too complicated for one. Is that it post is. post rush hour? Uh, yeah, maybe. So I guess Chris Tucker would also have been in the Fifth Element, wasn't he? He sort of has that. He had like that string of films, didn't yeah. he? And then he was in Jackie Brown. Yes. Um, I remember when Jackie Brown came out. He was one of the show. main. He was one of like the like and Chris Tucker, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, because it was so unusual. It, it was like. Um, against type, wasn't it? Mm. You know, what the guy that single-handedly ruined uh, the Fifth Element is now <laughs> going to single-handedly what ruin Jackie Brown? Is he? It's, it's just it's weird casting. This was it? this was at the height of Chris Tucker, I think, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, one year before Rush Hour. So yeah, this um, was he was a he was on the rise. Yeah, that's so weird. Um, yeah, what was the uh, what was the Martin Lawrence uh, Tim Robbins movie? Oh, nothing, is it Nothing to Lose? Nothing to Lose. And there's a whole sequence where Tim Robbins what gets uh, his trousers get set on fire or something, yes. and he's trying to stamp them out, and he yeah. stamps them out to the Scat Man. <laughs> <laughs> the music, 
and um, there's, it's like this musical montage sequence of Tim Robbins trying to put his trousers out when they're on fire to the scat man and it, you just like go that is I quite like nothing to lose when I saw it well he would have filmed that and then it's Tim Robbins he's got some dignity hasn't he <laughs> and he would have filmed that and then um, and, uh, 1997 same year uh, they would have filmed it and then in post production they would have added the scat man on it and you go like oh my god and it's just Tim Robbins doing this kind of like wacky <laughs> wacky dance sequence to the scat and you go fucking hell that's one of the worst things but it did it felt a bit seen. like Tim Robbins cashing in his chips a bit didn't he where he's a bit like actually I'd like a payout please I've done lots of uh, I don't know I, I think that he probably thought um, uh, to, he probably wanted to do something that was a bit different from what he'd done He'd done kind of like lots of prestigious stuff. I was well up for it when it came out. I remember being like, yeah, that, that, I'll be up for that. Martin Lawrence was coming off uh, the success of, I say coming off the success of Bad Boys, but when was Bad Boys? 93? Mm, 95, I reckon, Bad Boys won. No, no. Bad Boys, I'm saying 95. 95 no! bad boys yes oh wow oh wow well yeah so when was the rock, the rock i mean we have no information today <laughs> the rock was like what 96 then so uh, yeah, michael the rock, bay 96. had done michael bay did bad boys and then he followed it up with the rock yeah yeah 96 the rock yes. is incredible Bad Boys is a bit of a headache but I do enjoy it I did enjoy it at the time the thing about Bad Boys is it's a really straight um, it's a really simple yeah I story. remember it's basically it's um, a mistaken identity isn't hmm. it where she thinks that's how it should be but in the hands of Michael Bay it's basically um, one of them's a rich bachelor and one of them is it's a, a family, family man is, is a henpecked family guy and together that, you know that's their that's their opposites attract chemistry. And then um, uh, Tia Leone uh, witnesses a murder and she will only have Mike Lowry look after her, which is Will Smith's character, but he's not available. So Martin Lawrence has to pretend to be Mike Lowry and hijinks ensue. So it's kind of like uh, just a straight comedy plot. Yeah, it's... it's but in the hands of Michael Bay, he doesn't know how to tell that story. <laughs> so it's just all like, just, I mean, and, and it's, well, I think, you know, it's, well, I mean, it's just so much going on in that film. Sure. But it's such a simple story. And that, that is not the one of your takeaways. No, from and story. I think actually Bad Boys was like, it was very popular and was sort of seen as, like, it's funny, like that era of Michael Bay. Michael Bay was not... Now he's like a sort of joke, isn't he? He's almost like a punchline that people talk about Michael Bay. But in that era, Michael Bay was your kind of go-to big action guy, wasn't he? Yeah, but I also... You say that, but he was um, he was part of the uh, Bruckheimer... Uh, Simpson-Bruckheimer Oh, yeah, very much so, yeah. So he was kind of... So Simpson-Bruckheimer basically moulded him as like a Tony Scott on yeah. steroids. Yeah. Um, like... So you look at the original uh, Beverly Hills Cop and it's kind of an action comedy and then Bruckheimer, Simpson get Tony Scott involved and then it's just kind of like there's hardly, it's not really a comedy anymore. It's, mm. Bev it's uh, um, Eddie Murphy in an action movie. Yeah. So Eddie Murphy like shines through a little bit but mainly it's all very glossy and it's not edited for comedy, it's edit edited for action. So when he did the third one he was kind of like oh, I want to go back to doing a comedy. Um, 
But um, and that wasn't a Bruckheimer Simpson film, which is odd because you know they did the first two. That's like one of the two of their breakthrough films, and mm. then. Um, uh, but then Michael Bay was kind of like a Tony Scott substitute. I think uh, they did Crimson, was... Crimson Tide was with Tony Scott. Yes. Uh, which was one of his Denzel Washington movies. And then um, and then they found Michael Bay. And then so they did a couple of films with Michael Bay. And then uh, they found Simon West and they did one film with Simon West. I would love to know about the production of Conair. Yes, I, I think that it must have been an absolute clusterfuck. Apparently yeah. John Cusack hated every minute of being involved in it. Oh, really? And, um, and John Malkovich was fucking furious because they were rewriting the script every single day. Um, but, yeah, really. Mm. I think it's sort of like the zenith of that era, though. I think it's an absolute, like... Um, I saw it, I remember, f- like, they had a thing like Cinema Day, and it was that thing where they were having everything for a pound, and I saw... Uh, um, uh, all the cinemas were kind of overselling screens and watching Conair sat on like the stairs of I think it was the Odeon Marble Arch and uh, and the place was just packed and it really was like this is amazing it's brilliant. we talk about it quite a lot we talk, I think we talk about it more than uh, some other things genre, some other stuff um, but um, um, I, I just it's just such a, so just a very misunderstood film. Mm. But yeah, so um, so there was kind of like a bunch of directors in that mould, and I, in a weird way, I think that as flabby as the Pirates of the Caribbean, well, I don't know. It's kind of like it's it was like a perfect combination. I think mm. those those three together, Simpson and Bruckheimer together, made films that you would want to watch. Yeah, and then when they split up, I think they I think it was The Rock their last film together. Um, or maybe Con Air was their last film together, and then uh, they split up, and then Simpson died. Yes. Um, and then Bruckheimer went off, and then the sorts of films he made after that were stuff like National Treasure and um, the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and um, uh, yeah, the director's semi-serious idea for a sequel would be Simon West's uh, idea for a sequel to Con Air would be set in space. Yeah, absolutely. Simon West told an interviewer in 2014 that he would do a sequel if it was completely turned on its head. Con Air in Space, for example, the studio version, where they're all robots, or the convicts reanimated as super convicts, or where the good guys are bad guys and the bad guys are good guys. Something shocking. If it was clever writing, it could work. I mean, the original Con Air is quite a clever film. Mm. I mean, people say it's, uh, it's, it's like... Yeah. It, but it's, it's, a, it, it's a clever, dumb film. Yeah, yeah, knows exactly what it's doing, and it's very, like, it's very, it knows itself so well, and it's really self-aware, and that every performance is very self-aware, including Cage's, which is all, all often like parodied, where it's like, it knows exactly what he's doing. It's totally like, it's so well thought out, and such a kind of um, almost like a parody. It's a kind pastiche of, of yeah. for, it's a pastiche of uh, action hero. Yeah. Where they have a fight over a, over a bunny in a box, and yeah. that was Nicholas Cage saying that he wanted to do this thing. He said, you know, and you go, yeah, it's. I mean, Nick Cage, I think, is. I actually, don't know how uh, people. It's, it's the Robocop thing where people go and see Robocop and they laugh at the thing, and you mm. go, no, 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 this is all. In, you're it's laughing a at its own jokes. It's a comedy. <laughs> yeah. I think Nicholas Cage in that era as well was really smart about picking things and really like. Um, I think as much. Um, as much criticism as that sort of proposed Superman film got, I think his instincts were really spot on. And I think it's like, I think 
Cage sort of as as a sort of super famous movie star was actually doing lots of kind of interesting films and good making good choices it would have been interesting that because it would have been the only one of the only times that someone really mega famous was cast as Superman yeah rather than Superman making them famous but what I was saying earlier was that when you had Simpson and Bruckheimer together they made great films because mm. of that tension and then Bruckheimer on his own as much as people like the first few parts of the Caribbean films they're so flabby and um uncontrolled and it really kind of I think needed both of them to sort of fight, fight against it and then when they had kind of that director who did the post Gore Verbinski Gore Verbinski so it's kind of like he's kind of a um, is he sort of like a semi art house guy his yeah. first film was Mo a Mouse Hunt yeah which was Lee Evans Nathan Lane he's interesting eh? he's an interesting director yeah but very much so he's like a sort of weird blockbuster art house director <laughs> and so he's kind of like got all these really kind of like crazy ideas and Fedio, very idiosyncratic kind of I guess I suppose not dissimilar from a Tim Burton in that way of trying to bring quite a different aesthetic a into quirky a big, aesthetic yeah. Into, yeah but um, I just think that t the, originally the three of them with Tony Scott they did mm. a good job and Tony the, Scott is a very like you know you're watching a Tony Scott film He's like, visually, there's something very, like, very much like... I love Tony Scott. So do I. Yeah. And it's kind of glossy, turned up. Um, the sort of colour palette is always very consistent. But they don't feel like brain dead. They feel like there is sort of... No, like no. Yeah, and it does, because feel, they feel like... I think all that stuff, like, in the, when people are talking about auteurs again, it's that sort of thing where you're like, you know you're watching a Tony Scott film. But you know you're watching a Michael Bay film as well. Mm. Whereas Simon West, that is one of the only films that he made that actually feels like that. So it feels more like a, a Tony Scott, Michael Bay film mm. than uh, when, when you, I think he'd made The General's Daughter, Tomb Raider. Not even Tomb Raider feels like Con Air, you know. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, what's the other one he made? Uh, go on, Expendables 2. But there's lots of... Um I guess within that, there's lots of different directors doing kind of um, Simpson Bruckheimer films. Except, like, you do also feel like that's a genre in itself, isn't it? That's a kind of. There weren't loads of other directors. Mm. They, they mainly just stuck with people. Yeah. Um, uh, who was the guy that did uh, Flashdance? Oh, I don't know. Is that. Flashdance is incredible. That's, uh, that's one of my favourite films. I, yeah, I was just like, oh, this is how boys, this is how boys feel when they watch Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> just, this, is, this is exactly. I reckon there's a good documentary in that in uh, Simpson Brookheimer. There probably is one. Yeah, I bet there is. Um, right, our guest is here, so yeah. we should go and get him. Um, let's go get him. Let's go and get. Let's go and get him. Um, what's your song? Uh, Walker Brothers. I looked for this cat man, but I couldn't find it. We haven't got it on the system. Maybe if you looked it up, we could play it out. No, why are we going to play Scatman? Fucking hell. Uh, Walker Brothers. Yeah, sure, okay, I'll give that a whirl. <laughs> Nick and Nat's Fan Club on Foo Bar Radio. <sighs> that was the Walker Brothers. <laughs> Come yeah, on. I love them, I love them. Oh, one of them's died, but it uh, doesn't mean they can't keep walking. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about the Walker Brothers. One of them died, though. Yeah. yeah. My mum was gutted. Her generation, really, isn't it? Now? 
Um, so I'm joined in the studio now. We're joined in the studio now by one of my uh, favourite comedians, Reese James. What a disappointing end to that sentence. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, the word one of doing a lot of the heavy one lifting of in my that phrase. Favorite, well, you know what, an enormous what, amount of work. Come, what do you want of. from me? Do you yeah, want to say my favourite? No, 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 no. I had, an, I had an interview with James Gill, and at the end of the interview, he said, oh, just thank you for doing it, Nick. You're, uh, you know, you're one of my favourite comedians, or something like that. And I said, do you know what? I, no bullshit. I think ABC is, uh, is uh, the best club in South London right yeah and he got upset by that because I didn't say it was the best club in London yeah or right, right. You go like, right, there right, are, right. Like, but he'd gone for one of he'd said one of his favourite comedians for I you I can't remember what he said but you're I was his favourite comedian him, I was in South him, London I was giving him a genuine <laughs> not South London I said club one of his that club ABC is a great club and I really enjoy playing it and then there's probably one that's in North London that I would say is as nice Go it's on. the equivalent well I just I always remember I think I really like the Phoenix in uh, central London yeah so maybe there isn't one in North no, London no so it's the best club in south and north London so despite not being in north London in outer central London <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> although I would probably say that it's, it's better than Phoenix, it is mate. central London it is um, uh, yeah yeah sure but, it's but no also, I didn't want you to say that I was your favourite comedian um, hang on Nick and Nat's Fan Club on Fubar Radio. And we are joined in the studio by none other than my absolute all-time, and I'm including Richard Pryor in that, Favourite comedian, Reese James. Thank oh, wow. you very I much. I can't believe you're here. I know. Sat, I know. sat opposite, <laughs> sat on the other side of the fucking table to me. Bloody hell. I thought, Never look, meet your heroes, before mate. I, before I saw you, I kind of liked Steve Martin, but then uh, I thought, no. You keep saying not. names. I've never heard these names before. <laughs> yeah, before your time, mate. Um... Uh, and it very much is my time now. It is your time. This yeah. is your time to shine. This is my time. This, this, this specifically is the next oh, hour yeah. or whatever. If this oh. was a film, this would <laughs> be the last the, yeah, yeah, yeah. freeze frame. <laughs> we uh, jump in the air. We're joined in the studio now by uh, 12-year-old boy king, <laughs> Reese James. Um, how, are you, how are you doing? You right? I'm all right. You're a comedian, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, is, that what, how you, is that what you identify as? <laughs> yeah, why not? Sure. Yeah, it's all a bit. I find that a bit embarrassing, actually. Or being a comedian. Yeah. Or referring it's to yourself terrible. as a comedian. Uh, all of it. The, I mean, the whole concept and act of stand-up is the most embarrassing thing in the world. Sure. And yeah. it makes me feel sick all the time. And also, just like, yeah, if you have to, it, to have to say, "Oh, I'm a comedian," is maybe the yeah. worst thing it's possible. It's awful. It's yeah. If you go to a wedding or something, yeah, and they say, yeah. Oh, what are you doing? Or who are you? There's firstly the indignity of the fact that they haven't recognised you. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it goes into, oh, I'm a comedian. Uh, I always say, in, ta- in taxis and stuff like that, I always say I'm a writer. Yeah, me too. And then, I've, have I told you this story before? No. <laughs> the time I got in a taxi. And I always used to do that writer because you don't want to have to have the conversation with the taxi driver about the, being a But comedian. the follow-up question is just you can't get out of, which is, what do you write? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, go, and then oh, I write sitcoms. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so I was in this taxi. He goes, what sort of stuff do you write? And I went, comedy. I thought, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, and then he went, oh, what type of comedy do you write? And I said, satire. <laughs> and, then, and then the taxi driver said, you know what they say? Satire is the lowest form of wit. 
<laughs> I was like, well, no, they don't, they say, don't that. say that. They say sarcasm is the lowest sarcasm form of wit. But even if they did say satire is the lowest form of wit, what a thing to say to me. Yeah. After I've just told you that my job <laughs> is to write satire. Do you know, you know what I say? Taxi drivers are pricks. Yeah. Um, th- this, this guy's before your time, but Ken Dodd, the comedian Ooh. Ken Dodd, was on Pebble Mill, a show before your time. Uh, and uh, he said, you know what? Uh, I find sarcasm is the lowest form of wit. And I was at home thinking, I'm pretty sure a tickle stick is the lowest form of wit. <laughs> there, Ken. <laughs> Have you seen American Pie, mate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Naked Mile. Um, uh, so yeah, um, it's yeah, it's, it's really awkward having to having to sit, tell, tell a stranger what you do for a living. Yeah. I bet you're just thinking, God, I wish you'd just say something racist. Avoid <laughs> <laughs> getting on it. <laughs> For the listeners at home, uh, sorry. <laughs> there's Nick's seventh red stripe in no, ten no, minutes. No, 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 no. It's uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm mixing it up this week. I'm having a sun exotic uh, sparkling drink. Uh, Is that a one. Caribbean drink? It's sort of a Caribbean drink. It's right. not a. It's not a Caribbean <laughs> crush. No, uh, and it's not a lilt. Uh, this one is pineapple and coconut. Got to oh. say, huge fan of the word Caribbean being pronounced like that. Yeah. Caribbean. Yeah. Caribbean, Caribbean. I love oh, yeah, it. Mate. I always do that. Try People normally call person, me out on it. Uh, the first person I heard say Caribbean. Go on. Bill Cosby. <laughs> okay, yeah. right, exactly. And I can see why he's so influenced. Yeah. Look what he did. Now tell me, Nick, does that say it's 59p or 39p? 59p, mate. Is it a multi-pack can not to be sold individually? That <laughs> is being sold individually? No, it's great value. Oh, it's great value 59p. Fair play. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be 59p. All by is itself. it nice? Uh, it, it's actually a delicious. Oh, Good. It's that coconut flavour uh, the, uh, that undercuts <laughs> it that makes you feel like uh, you're drinking uh, Malibu. Oh, oh it's lovely a, stuff. It's a, maybe it's a way, if you're an alcoholic that purely uh, focuses on uh, Jamaican white rum. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you just want, yeah, you, you're an alcoholic, but you're also addicted to the tropical taste. You're of, trying to mm. wean yourself off. Yeah. Maybe Sun Exotic is the one to get you because it tastes exactly like uh, Malibu and pineapple. Lovely. Without any of the uh, side effects. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I, lo- I love the yeah. Right, okay, good. So you're doing Edinburgh, are you? Yeah. Were you um, there last year? No. Best so year of my life. <laughs> the year. best year of my goddamn life. It was oh, incredible. It was amazing. What, what did you do with your year? I watched every single minute of the World Cup. Yeah. I just sat around doing that. That was basically it. I went to and I went to France for two weeks, and I was in France for the World Cup final. That was yeah. pretty special. Were you in France uh, when the uh, awards got announced, the Edinburgh Awards got announced? No. I was in Sri Lanka when the Edinburgh Awards got announced, and I still don't know who won. Oh, really? Are you trying not to spoil it for yourself? Are you catching up? No, it's just... (laughs) What are you up to? 1993. (laughs) I've actually made up for Stephen Fry, then. Honestly, mate, it dips, but then it comes back. (laughs) Really? Um, It was... uh, Stick with it to the end, because there's a big twist. Women start winning it. What? It's mental. Uh, Yeah, huge twist. you're kidding me. We should get some of them on. Um, So, uh, it was... uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really good. It was really good not having anything to do with it last year. Oh, it was the best. And also just like, the it's not just August. It's all about June and July as well. That was mm. the main thing for me. That, I don't I, mind August so much. I it's more the just the build-up. I thought the World Cup was over by August, wasn't it? Yeah, so it, ends, it ended in sort of like mid to late July. So my friend Pat Bircher came over from Canada and we watched the World Cup. And I'm not really into football. Mm. but I would, And I really got into it. Yeah, did it you get like, into the Women's World Cup, Nick? Um, I, uh, I, I'm barely into football. Oh, mate, you got into the men's. Um, I didn't actually I didn't even qualify 
Um, <laughs> there we go. So, <laughs> nice. uh, why would you come on my show and accuse me of being a sexist? I didn't accuse anyone of anything. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that if you listen back to this, <laughs> that's exactly what you've just done. You've tried to create an awkward circumstance. Yeah, but I never will listen back to this. Oh, so that doesn't matter. What? Uh, so don't go and see Reese. Uh, uh, where is your show on? The Pleasance Courtyard. The Pleasance Theatre. Uh, which which venue though? Uh, it's called Above. You know that? Uh, is that the one that's behind the bar? No, it's outside the front of the courtyard. Oh yeah, you know that one you enter from the. Oh, I did a late night um, additional show in 2011 there. And how was it? One of the worst gigs I've ever. I <laughs> can't wait. To get I was there. at that gig. It was at midnight. We were. We what went... extra show? Because your shows are sold out. Uh, because I got nominated and then my shows all sold out. Yeah. And then uh, the day I didn't win, you had that show. I in had the, diary. the midnight show, and there were drunk people in the. Oh, this we were in. We were queuing to get in, and there was a guy in front of me. Having a piss in the queue on the wall, yeah, of yeah, the Pleasance. yeah, yeah. And I remember going, pissing in, yeah, in the street. And I remember thinking, this, oh, it's an arts festival. That's, there's a bloke in front of me having a piss. And it was what was it, rowdy, just unplayable. I'm doing shit. a poetry show, yeah, that's sort of like uh, a bit confrontational. That's on at four o'clock in the afternoon, mm. and then I'm on at midnight, and people are, uh, on a Saturday night, and people are absolutely leathered, and then. Uh, yeah, it was this guy's it was spicy, the, spicy this guy's, atmosphere. These guys in the front row keep talking and, and heckling all the way through, and I'm just like, I'm about to do a poem in a minute, and you can't talk through that, you know. Yeah. And so, but I'm in character as well, and I'm quite early on in my career. And uh, who's in the audience? Tim Vine was in the audience. He'd come to see me. Right. He's a very uh, softy spoken gentleman. Yeah. And Adam Riches, I think, is in the audience because we clashed and he, he wanted to see me. And we kind of like, when you, God, when you think about Tim Vine, it is difficult to imagine him pissing against the wall of the Pleasance. <laughs> I know, but he, he did it. It's a late night. It's Edinburgh <laughs> Fringe. But I'm trying to deal with the audience. What's he going to do? Lose his place in the queue? <laughs> I'm trying to deal with the audience, and I've also sort of like made loads of references to not winning the award, which went over people's heads because I don't think they even. No knew one gave him that. cared or knew what no it was. No one gave a shit. And then, um, uh, and then eventually, I try and get these guys out by kind of like just going go on get out and they get up and one of them pours his drink over me and um, they start then the security all run in and they sort of like they're trying to attack me and the security drag them away and no one's so I and I'm like I've got to make this funny somehow yeah. so I'm sort of like stood there and um, and David Trent's on stage oh, oh no I've got two uh, uh, my friend Rob and uh, Chris Boyd were on stage so I sort of like they're just sat there watching it all and then I uh, pretend that they're holding me back I say let go of me guys <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to beat them up um, but it was just like this, let me uh, add him. yeah like and it was yeah it was just and then I have got to do the rest of the show with like beer all, all over me you just go just cancel it yeah but then uh, years was it packed out yeah and so you had to kick out yeah, half yeah. the and then but. Tim Vine's watching me thinking that I'm a horrible piece of shit yeah. and everyone, you know and then, but years later because I get on quite well with the security cards at um uh, the pleasant. Well, you'd have to. Have to now. <laughs> um, but years, years you later, keep him busy. <laughs> David Trent. David Trent was doing a show, and uh, David was really worried about um, uh, his show being too edgy for audiences. <laughs> so he said. Uh, to be fair, it was quite edgy. Uh, there was like a wanking, a wanking man. 
Um, and oh, I so remember that show. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's a brilliant show. <laughs> it, it did upset people as well. You just think it's just funny, right? Uh, it's probably uh, in 2019 a sexual assault that show. But um, <laughs> but um, but in 2009, <laughs> a nominated show. <laughs> so, so, but he says to the security guards, uh, he says to the security guards, you know, I'm a bit worried. And they said, uh, do you know what? There's only ever been uh, one comedian that we've had to help. Uh, <laughs> uh, that we've that we've had trouble with that we've had to help and uh, and David was like and who was that and he goes that man was <laughs> Nick Hannon <laughs> and David Trent was like just pissed off because he's a competitive cunt he <laughs> <laughs> was just like anyone but him <laughs> um, but yeah it's good um, you well have, I can't you wait have, to get there so you, so I think I think security's all what time are you on. 6.30 Ah, oh, piece of piss the, 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 Yeah, and the there better. won't be an extra one And so even better than that Is we clash So oh, right. I legitimately Don't have yeah, to yeah, come yeah. and see you Great That's great <laughs> Perfect Oh, good um, uh, Here's a question uh, Oh, no So I saw you At Wells Comedy Festival Oh, yeah That was a really great gig Oh, was it all right? It, it was. was weird. I find Wales Comedy Festival strange. It's, it's lovely. Brilliant. You did some. It was. You did but some really. You, you did a couple of really good jokes in that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was really There's great. one or two more in the show now. How early was that in terms of the process? Because it felt fairly slick. Pretty early. It, well, it was one of because I, I didn't go last year. Sort of had these ideas since about September, but it's still like it takes being close for me to actually do the work and make it <laughs> mm. a show so it's only in the genuinely in the last week that i've gone oh this might actually be all right mm. before that i was just going fuck this why am i doing this you both how, have you how both have i not do. done this in a year in two years how have i not achieved anything yeah. and then only literally the last two gigs last two i've been like oh this is done this is great yeah not great but it's as in like it's a yeah. i'm more relaxed I'm simultaneously ahead of schedule and behind. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Drastically. Behind. Do you have loads of stuff to sort out? I've got right songs to your, and poems. I came to your tech once, and you were like, "Can you blow up some of these dicks?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to say they were inflatable pieces. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't, Can you inflate some of these dicks? Some, it wasn't some sort of terrorist attack. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, was that, that would be in uh, 2013. Yeah, and then, but that was like a that. How long do you tech for? That must have been a whole day. Six six hours, maybe. Yeah, because you had ramps. That's when you work out what the show is, though. Oh right, is it? And then the day before the show, three days. Well, because you can't do it. What are you meant to do that? In yeah, a, in a yeah, room yeah. above a pub. Yeah. Also, um, you know, let let's just say, so I will open with a song. There is no unawkward way of testing that in any venue other than the <laughs> venue up in Edinburgh you come up with your little iPad and you go well I've written a song um, so my show is going to be all in the dark and then the lights will come on and then I'll be there and then you go and then you've got this like uh, uh, like um, Casio keyboard drum beat coming up <laughs> never stop never and it's just like the most cringeworthy fucking thing just like, yeah there impossible. is something about previews where you kind of have to be good but in the shittest way possible you can't even like dress nicely for a preview you need your you need your hair to be all over the place you need to look like shit if you've got notes you need to also look like shit I think that's a that's a trick people use as well right yeah so, what, so you, they do look, it, you do it on oh, purpose yeah. to kind of make yourself look like shambles to be a bit like endear yourself yeah. to an audience yeah and then when you get to Edinburgh and it does actually have to be slick and finished and then everyone goes oh gross that's the thing you were saying awful. last week about previews are just you're basically pre you're you're writing for the preview you're doing that night you're not thinking about yeah, something yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah, for right. a month yeah because if I've got a preview in the evening I'm not writing the show 
So I'm not like going, well, I really need an opening song. I really need a closing song. Right. I really need a poem about this. But what I really need to do is not look like a cunt tonight. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, now yeah, I'm yeah, going to work it, out what it? the yeah. show is. So you don't write the show. Are you good at doing st- performing stuff on stage that you thought of that day? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm good at like, so I've got a bit of material about a hundred... Uh, Arms. A, about hair on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> got a bit of material... Um, uh, about an argument I had with someone once where uh, eventually they said that I, I was 100% to blame right? <laughs> and I was just like no, that's impossible because you picked the venue do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, so yeah, you're great. at least 2% <laughs> okay. um, and um, and so I wrote that down and I, I'd, I'd been meaning to do it for ages but I haven't ever got around to it um, and uh uh, then I did it yesterday at ArgFest. I have to say, th- this is a pre-record, so we are in August. So if you want to see Reese James, go and see him tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, but if you're only in Edinburgh one day, go and see me instead. Um, so oh, I'll agree with that. <laughs> I, um, Happily agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's just, it'd be crazy not to. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, but, yeah, so I'm good at kind of like just like having... I've, all I've written on my hand is 100%. So I'm good at being able to sort of like talk about that for like five to ten minutes. Yeah. Until I've got enough bits out of it. So the next time I do it, I can crunch it down to like three minutes. Right, right, right. I can't, I'm the absolute opposite. So you write... I mean, everyone's different. and uh, I just can't... Um, I don't like... I have done that in the past. More this year than ever where I'll be like, I know what this story is. If it's a story, but I very rarely have stories. But if it's a story, I know there's a funny ending. Fuck it, I can't be asked to write it. I'll just go on stage see what happens yeah. but that's pre- really rare for me more it's like if I'm gonna fuck around with a bit with an idea it needs to be within a framework that I know is hilarious Yeah. so it's like this is gonna be a seven minute bit and at the moment I've got four minutes just do, do an extra three minutes in the middle Sure. just like dotted around but as long as you know there's all these beats you can hit to keep this bit alive so you don't die so I don't think about anything like you, that but yeah 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 so I've... I will like and I'm not great even at like if I write a bit I'm not if I do, if I write a bit and I do it that night, it will be the worst that bit is ever delivered by Miles. And often I don't like doing it because it will make me lose faith in it so much. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I, I just go I'm like, I enough. can't deliver it. If I'm not delivering it, how I'm going to deliver it? Then it's shit. Right. Because I am, I am slick. Sometimes it's like if I'm then delivering something a bit all over the place, it's like you were really slick on the at, at Wells. Yeah. It's and, w- but to me, I but to me, I was like listening back to that, going, "This is all over the place." Oh no! But all of that, I mean. I mean, there's all of the Ed Gamble stuff in. I don't even know what you're referring to. What was the Ed Gamble stuff? You just did loads of stuff about Ed Gamble. <laughs> did it was like I? this running joke all the way through. Oh, did yeah. I? It was so Oh, funny. yeah, because I was the first show to sell out, except for him, but he was in a much bigger room. Yeah. He sold out like one minute after me, and I was really smug about it. And then I looked at the venue he was playing. It was about four times the size. <laughs> yeah, so right. I was like, all oh, right, this doesn't count. I'm in an 80-seater. Yeah. Um, and but, but did I keep w- referencing Ed? That's, that'll be you because I... referencing his diabetes. Oh, did I? It's really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, I said it was a lie. Did I say it was a lie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I, I don't do that on stage often, no, but uh, no. I, I did maybe, two shows at Wells and I did it, I did do it in both shows. I thought maybe um, that would make the final. It's funny. It's quite Edinburgh it, I don't think it'd be funny on tour. Where are you going to be in Edinburgh? Yeah, for a bit. Yeah, you should do it in Edinburgh. Uh, yeah. He's not there, though. Oh, well, fuck that then. But yeah, I forgot about that. I completely forgot about that. It was really funny. It was but like that's... this running joke as well, which tied the whole show together. It made you like go, oh, oh right. wow, he's really thought about this. But the reason I would have kept referencing it and made it a running joke would have been completely because I was like, oh, that bit didn't get a big enough laugh. 
better mention Ed Gamble again they like him right sure <laughs> brilliant so I just kept going oh do a callback to something an ad lib that they liked oh no I thought it was really good I thought I really enjoyed thanks, it thanks mate I'll bring that and back I'm glad I've seen it now because um, I'm not going to be there I went to see uh, Jordan Jordan Brooks the other day um, uh, and not that I'll no spoilers but he says a thing like you just got to keep your brain occupied because as soon as you stop as soon as all the background noise goes you're left with your thoughts and that's very much how I feel about previews which right. is just kind of like um, I try not to uh, think about it because the thought of it is actually and then it'll always be kind of like five o'clock in the afternoon when I actually go oh I sit down and actually start yeah, writing yeah, the yeah. thing and mm. I'm like I've got to leave in half an hour yeah I hate <laughs> I, yeah it's when you turn up at a new material gig and people are writing furiously writing like next to the stage at the Phoenix at Old Rope or something right. like that and everyone's just got like a scrap of old paper and a pen and you just go like what have you been doing all day yeah <laughs> <laughs> worrying about the you new material you wait till literally Tiff is going please welcome and you're going oh god write down any idea pretending it's not happening yeah I think that's when the crunch is when things get done, though. That is when it gets done. Yeah, to an, ex- to an extent. And also I don't know, everyone works differently, to an, to an extent. I've I, definitely thought of jokes that I've been really happy with eventually, yeah. minutes before I went on. Yeah. But only if they exist within a bit I've been working yeah, yeah, on for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess you're improvi- thinking about but it. I can improvise an hour of comedy quite easily, but what I can't do is improvise a song on stage. And that's the stuff that you should write in the day, Nick. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that you. Yeah, there are definitely venues where you could just go, like that have enough tech that you could just go on and try it, no. like your show. Oh uh, yeah, maybe, maybe my show. But no, I've got to write the stuff. I still haven't finished. Oh yeah, it. no, no, you can't improvise it unless you. You could do like an abandonment, change your act, Chris Turner. You could be like Chris <laughs> Turner, move to America, do loads of corporates and uh, improvise raps based on stuff in people's pockets. Is, mm. that, is that what Chris Turner does? That's what abandonment does. Right. Mm. What's in your pocket? Mm. Yeah, do that. You don't have to write anything. Um, I I did a preview with a band of men the other week, and uh, a friend of mine uh, said, "Oh, I went just saw a band of men." And I said, well, "What's the, what's the new show like?" And they were like, um, "Oh, he's done lots of new stuff." I said, "What's the what's the, what's the new stuff?" And she goes, "Well, they've got he's got a song called uh, What's in Your Pocket.'" And I was just like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> oh god! But the thing about improvised, well, well, you know, there might be new stuff in people's pockets. <laughs> but the thing about improvised shows is that it's always new. It's always new. Yeah. Every so it's show like you could do the same show every yeah. year for the rest of your life, and it'll always be the new thing. New poster. Uh, new poster. New pockets. So, given that it's August, mm. how's your? Uh, How's your fringe run going so Fucking far? Fucking hell. I mean, I'm almost uh, annoyed that we spent so long trying to get the poster right, uh, considering that we we're just going to cover it up with all them stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, gone, it's gone all right. Yeah, it's gone all right. Yeah, My voice yeah. is still holding out. Do you have a voice coach? Uh, no, I don't. I've never lost my voice in Edinburgh. Have you ever lost your voice outside of Edinburgh? Um, uh, only in like cold and flu season, maybe. Like, I had tonsillitis once, and that, right. that didn't help. But nothing to do with stage Really? Stuff. I lose my voice all the time. Oh, fucking hell. F- Phil Berger's uh, fucking uh, Dr. Brown yeah. came up to me day three of the festival, uh, and he said, uh, you know, can you give me some advice? Because I've lost my voice. And I was just like, fuck off. You're a mime. 
How have yeah. you? How have you lost? <laughs> okay, your is, fucking that, is that where his act came I from? Shout <laughs> I thought this was the origin. He was doing a yeah. He was, so you, he was doing a stand-up show for the one-liners. And then suddenly he was like, "Fuck, I lost my voice. Take your top off and stop making some shapes." Oh, I've won an award. So I, I had no time for that because I was just like, going, "You don't know what it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't yeah, it yeah. like to worry about your voice. You fucking that, mime artist." Him, him getting angry at you for him losing his voice and asking for advice is like you going up to him and saying, "What should I do? I've lost my t-shirt." <laughs> It's basically the same as that. It's basically exactly the same. Um, yeah, it was just really weird. It was really weird. But yeah, I've not lost a, you know, touch. Touch wood. Not John lost, Robbins uh, had a voice coach for a bit. Because um, he, he shouted. Well, just like some oh. woman who taught him how to... Shout without... Yeah, because he shouted at the end of his show, his award-winning yeah, yeah, yeah. show. And he had a voice... Oh, yeah, coach. And then I texted him recently, because I lose my voice all the time. And I initially had a very shouty bit in my show that's now gone. Um because I kept losing my voice and I just texted him saying who's your voice coach Shall I, do you recommend them and he said it was absolutely amazing but all the advice was this and then he gave me her email address and said get in touch with her and have a like lesson or whatever but then he told me everything she was going to say and then I asked her how much it was and she said it was like 75 quid and I was like a text is what 12p if that <laughs> John told me all of this already. So what was the advice? Literally, drink water. <laughs> he said all it was was she sort of taught you how to do like... Breathing. From your stomach yeah. and do mm-hmm. all that and breathing and stuff. But he said, John said the main thing that I took from it was that I have never in 15 years or whatever it is of being a stand-up drank water on stage. And that is mental to do an hour show every day and never have a sip of water on stage. She just basically said, drink water during your show. I think it is a weird thing. <laughs> 75 I- quid, please. I think there is a weird thing that feels really not show busy when you drink water on stage, though. Yeah, and as a stand-up, there's that really uncomfortable thing where, like, sometimes you see comedians drink water as, like, a fucking, like, mic drop. Yeah. You know that, like, cool sip of water in a big laugh? That's that, why like, really I've never casual, drank water on stage. Oh, it's gross. But you can do it after a song. It's easy. There's a moment where you can... Not if they don't clap, mate. Yeah, but they're clapping. <laughs> Gotta mate. keep Come talking. On. They're clapping because you're screaming at them. They're scared. <laughs> um, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think you need a transition to be able to just quickly like yeah, yeah. something going on or some sort of light change. Or One something. of the other things I would say is that it's difficult when you start a show to uh, change gear. You know, if you start, you can. You know, if you start a show on the wrong foot, then it's kind of like. Sure. You've, you've yeah, it wouldn't it. start a show mm. drinking water. But no, but what <laughs> I would say is what I learned. What I learned when I went on tour was that if I I just calmed down, and uh, so if so, the problems I've mainly had with my voice um, have been because uh, I've uh, been nervous and stressed. And right, we're starting a song, and then I'll just sort of like belt a song out, and then it'll be like I shouldn't have done it like that. But when I went on tour, I sort of like, um, you know, just was very relaxed when I did my singing, and actually concentrated and concentrated on singing from my diaphragm, and uh, and where it was coming out of my 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 mouth. It was just like, is it coming from my throat or is it coming from my stomach? And then, you know, it's just like one of those things. And I would say it's mainly to do with stress because if you come out and you're all like stressed and yeah. then you're going, rah, 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 and then you fucked your voice for the fucking hour. But if you come out and you're actually singing, yeah, it's yeah. like your process just before you get on stage is kind of like, all right, How did just you take calm yourself down? Were you not nervous on tour? Oh, I was with David Trent, so I just got him to masturbate me. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then your favourite security guard came in and <laughs> <laughs> cradled you both. He said, uh, so no, I've got to break up another fight and I say don't worry mate we're not fighting um, it was great um, oh we play a song uh, what's uh, what's your song 
What's my song? Mm. I can't remember. Is it Days Like These by Fran and oh, Josh? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a context to this. Play it first, though, if you want. Okay. the fuck was that my favourite song in the history of music oh. no it's uh, it's from a TV programme called Living on the Edge fan of fan of that show Living on the Edge yes actually uh, 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> basically Living on the Edge is this thing there was a programme called The OC yeah my name uh, is the OC. and then they made a, MTV made a The Yock yeah um, MTV made a real version of it called Laguna Beach the real OC which is like a reality version kind of like it was the thing that came before the hills <coughs> remember the hills no I don't watch I haven't watched any of this stuff that you're talking about ah oh, mate it's not about watching it it's about yeah, being aware of the culture okay this is significant stuff what's in the society. hills <laughs> what's the hills the hills I mean it's the same as Laguna Beach the real OC okay she's cool in, right. she's well, in the hills um, I didn't want to butt in that early but what's the Laguna Beach you know the OC <laughs> Uh, go on. What? <laughs> <laughs> the OC was like this sort of dr- what was it? You know, so they're, they're this like drama. a teen drama, yeah, like a sort of Dawson's Creek. Type they're in Orange thing. County, and oh, everything's right. perfect. Yeah, everything's who was in it? Perfect. And there's drama. Uh, in the OC. Was there a breakout her name star? Is, yeah, yeah, genuinely, yeah. Rachel Bilson. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's she done? I think Rachel um, Bilson's. Uh, oh, what's his name? How do like I not know his name? Sounds like a made-up name. I have a feeling that Rachel, no, Rachel Bilson's Bilson. dad. Might have, and maybe the OC was Misha Barton. Misha Barton's in it. Oh God, what's she been in? She was in. Was she in Rabbit Proof Fence? And she's now in the remake of The Hills. It's, oh, all, perfect. it's all connected. It's all coming round. Right, yeah, um, sure. Ryan, no, Ben McKenzie, uh, Adam Brody, Adam Brody, Adam Brody. Oh, Remember him? That's uh, not. Yeah. That's not who I think it is. No, who are you thinking, thinking of? of uh, a cross between Adam Driver and Adrian Brody. Yeah, well, he sort of is that. Adam Brody sort of is that. He was in uh, Sausage Party. <laughs> what does Adam Brody look like? Can you Google a picture of Adam Brody? He's got sort of dark curly oh, hair. Oh, I remember. Like, uh, yeah, and uh, Peter Gallagher is the dad, Peter I think. Gallagher oh, Peter Gallagher is the dad. Peter Gallagher. 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 Yeah, yeah. Peter Gallagher plays Dean Martin in the Hudsucker Proxy. Uh, yeah, he's Martin. amazing. He's Sandy Cohen. He's Sandy Cohen. Uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. he was anyway. uh, Bill Murray's brother in The Man Who Knew Too Little. Uh, <laughs> Peter Gallagher. This song... Is from they tried to remake this like reality, hugely successful yeah. reality show, Laguna Beach, the Real OC, in the UK. And they went to Alderley Edge in Manchester and created a show called Living on the Edge. And what's great about it is that it's like a, absolutely, Jersey, a Geordie Shore type thing, yeah, but way long, long before that. And, and like before, uh, and it the wasn't like they, Essex? yeah, 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 years before and years that. before that, yeah, yeah. Um, and nothing happens at all, but like even less than you'd see in Made in Chelsea or anything like that nothing happens at one point one of the main guys auditions for Hollyoaks that's a real <laughs> highlight um, and his audition he literally walks in and just goes they, they show his audition but they show two lines of his audition and it's just him doing a monologue um, in like a original pop stars way where they just sat at like a desk these three people and it's all like the cast of Hollyoaks are judging him it's part of a competition and then he goes but and that's not how auditions he goes, no I know it's, yeah, it's clearly none of this is real and he, they just show this monologue and he just walks in and just goes it was sexy 
and then it just cuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was in, and then like years after this show, he's in Hollyoaks. He's still in Hollyoaks. Oh, uh, yeah, he's got guy, the part. yeah, yeah, he's in Hollyoaks. He yeah. got the part. Yeah, hey, good for him. But these <laughs> guys, it's a bit weird though, isn't it? That he's in a TV show, yeah, and he basically auditions to be in another TV show. Yeah, he gets the part, and, he gets and then it. he says, "I'm not in your I'm TV, not in this show, TV anymore. show anymore." And then these guys, Fran and Josh, who sang that awful song we just heard, mm. they were trying to be this band for ages, and then there was some animosity. Eventually, they had an argument over Spanish guitar. <laughs> <laughs> argument over Spanish guitar yeah one of them wanted to include more Spanish guitar the other one wasn't so sure and they had a big fallout about it and like one of them had a, had this girlfriend and like oh my god the girlfriend's taking me away from the group it was all a load of bollocks they're 16 and then Josh out of Fran and Josh sure. you know Fran and Josh yeah yeah Josh yeah, yeah. out of Fran and Josh I was more of a got, Fran um, guy yeah I know but Josh got signed up Josh by Models do? 1 did they both sing no Josh is the singer and, and then they're both playing Spanish guitar in the background <laughs> one of them more reluctantly than the other Right, okay. And like they or they just drumming on their guitar in between strums. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were like the sort of guys they were dressed like razor light. Yes. They had like those scarves that are really thin and not scarves. Yeah. They were like just hanging down <laughs> sure. purely purely for fashion and like uh beads and like mm. a really low cut t shirt and a hat like a straw hat. Mm. They're the kind of dreadful you see, stuff. Like... Absolutely awful <laughs> awful, awful pricks. It does but, make um, me feel yeah uncomfortable but I've, I've, I've watched Laguna Beach I mean uh, Living on the Edge all the way through at least six times because it's so how long, funny how many episodes it's two series two series and they're about they're MTV so it's like half an hour so it's about 16 minutes because of the amount of adverts right yeah so when I'm completely legally streaming it online it takes no time at all to bash through all of that and sure. I mean bash through right well <laughs> okay um, thanks for having me on <laughs> <laughs> and did they do more songs, Ow. Fran and Josh? No, that's that the only evidence. I, that's the only one they ever play in the show, and that's okay. the only evidence that there is of them even existing. Oh, that's fucking okay. Good. I did. I did. Did you like the song? No, I disliked it quite a lot. It was in the era where every one was trying to sound exactly like the band The Kooks. Remember yeah. the Kooks? The Kooks had a very specific look, didn't they? They actually it looked, looked like, like that. They, they looked, looked like, like that. shop dummy mannequins of like yeah. a sort of ridiculous well, it was in like that, festival wear. Yeah, it was in that era where like Top Man started booming as well. Sure, like Top Man yeah. and the Kooks sort of went hand in hand with like the this very rise, so. and then everyone copied both of those things for ages. But then there was like a female equivalent where everyone tried to sort of sound like Lily Allen as well. Mm. There was a Kate Nash. And then it was just yeah. kind of everyone's doing like this put on Cockney accent. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all sort of like. And doing lyrics about like specific things like Reebok, like referencing brands in lyrics all the time. Like Arctic <laughs> yeah, Monkeys did it as well. It's, but it was like youth philosophy. It was just. Yeah, like, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, oh, very deep. uncomfortable. Yeah, it's but Deep shit. Deep as, deep as a puddle, mate. As um, Fran and Josh said, it's all about scrambled eggs and ecstasy. I mean, it's just like saying <laughs> stuff Is it, like mate, that, in Alderley Edge when you're 16? <laughs> saying stuff like that implies uh, something uh, that is going on that isn't actually going on. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like... I don't know. I, they might have had some scrambled eggs. And ecstasy. It's hinting at a deeper world that, that, you know, they're not, like, discussing it. They're just, like, showing I feel you. like referencing scrambled eggs in that, like, really implies an immaturity. Mm. <laughs> you might as well have said dippy eggs in ecstasy. <laughs> yeah, but what they're saying is that it's kind of like, God, you know, uh, it's like the morning after. Oh, it's right, kind of yeah, like yeah, worlds collide. Worlds collide. It's, you know, two things. It's, it's like scrambled eggs and ecstasy. Oh, they just, it's so everyday. Ecstasy is so like, everyday to us. I don't know if it is. It's We're just kind of like eggs. They're, they're coming out of their ecstasy crash and they're just thinking, oh, it's another morning. And now it's kind of like the scrambled eggs on the table and it's kind of like, oh, God. 
d- the night before and sorry it evokes all of that but it's bullshit and did you and then obviously they get to the central message of the song which is in the chorus line did you are you aware of the chorus line I can tell you if no you like. I was playing Merge Dragons um, <laughs> I've not heard them uh, it goes <laughs> days like these don't last forever every day comes with good weather depending on what it is you like to see that's good yeah. what that does that is, mean that, well, is it like saying if you like looking at rain yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day is with good weather. If you like rain and sun and snow and sleet. Depending on what it is you like to see. Yeah. But that's not, it's like every day comes with good weather to some people. Yeah. Mm. You know, uh, not to everyone at all times. The weather can't be everything to everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Mm. So I think that actually. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you've been harsh on the weather. There. I think Fran and Josh uh, are actually climbing up the, uh, the, the charts in my mind. Get them on the foobar playlist, as far as I'm concerned. I love mm. them. But you're yeah, you're both deep, you're both you're both poets, aren't you? As well, so you both. So uh, there wasn't a poet. Go on. I was going to say you both. You're both poets mm. as part of your uh, yeah. stand up. You incorporate that, so you're probably you're probably quite a good judges on lyrics and wordsmiths. Um, so mm. the, as, the years, as the years go by, sure. less and less poetry makes it into my show. Yeah, me too. So you used to be predominantly a poet, really, didn't you? You used to do poetry shows. I don't know about that. I used to have I used to have at least two per show, mm. but they were quite long. They were, I used to have like two, four. I used to take up ten minutes of my show with poetry. And was that a, was that a that. ploy? Was there a bit? But of I used to do a lot of poetry. <laughs> well, yeah, it was just fill this time. I used to do like post like videos. I used to do like YouTube things that had like poems in them all the time. But I barely, I hardly used any on stage. I felt like when I saw you at the Soho Theatre, there was quite a lot of poetry in that show. There would have been at most two and a half. I've never done more than two and a half. Okay. What's a half? But they're just much more. And I used to like, yeah, I used to be really into like having all this. Half was just like, it'd be a really short thing and I wouldn't really present it as a poem. I would just start saying it and it would just start rhyming. And there would be an uh, inverted commas punchline that would rarely work. And where did that come from? Was that something you well, would the do? Punchline. The punchline. Normally punch another punch comedian <laughs> told me to say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> could you maybe add a joke at the end of that, Reese? How about this? Uh, I don't know. I just I was really into it for a while. Although it's weird because I find poetry arguably more embarrassing than stand-up comedy. Mm. I was always a bit like, God, fucking hell, poetry. At least stand-up comedy is like, it's an embarrassing thing, but it's not taking itself seriously. Poetry is mm. embarrassing and everyone believes in it. I think earnestness Ooh. is the yeah. enemy of comedy. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But I just, um, I just liked stuff like that and I didn't, like, I don't know, I just, I bait, for the first year when I did it, it was just jokes that didn't quite work on their own, but if they rhyme, they do really well. <laughs> that I was sure. just doing a format, and it was just a way to stand out. It was a way to bookend the show. I like the idea of bookending the show with it, and I, I really like the process of writing them. And then the second year, I did like this character poem where I played two parts that were interacting. Fran and Josh. Fran and Josh. Yeah, yeah. And it was all about <laughs> um, Spanish guitar. Yeah. It was a big argument about Spanish guitar <laughs> and becoming a model. Sure. And then, uh, and then I did a poem that was like a letter. I did these two letters and then the second one was a poem but it was just again it was just like I need an ending I'll just do a poem and that one like I put some dramatic music under it and stuff like that I mean it's as pretentious as you can get and thinking that I admonished myself from how pretentious that was by just saying this is pretentious during it oh I like, like I like pretension I like, I'm a big fan of it I yeah. think it's I think that's I'm all for it yeah. I don't think you should like shy away from that I was always like in my head about and then the last show I did didn't have any just because mm. they're too hard to write and I didn't have if you don't if I didn't have an idea for one I was like I'm not forcing one mm. I need an idea or I'm not bothering I didn't do any and there's there are there was a couple in this show but they the whole premise of them is they are taking the piss out of poetry so that 
both of them are references to nationwide poems in the nationwide adverts. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Well, um, that's one of the things that really has put me off poetry recently. Yeah. is the way that they um, they use them in adverts. It's insane how often they're used in British advertising. It's, it's British the fry of the pan. It's <laughs> the smell of the clan. It's the, <laughs> the smell it, of the clan. Fucking hell! It's the drive Dark of advert. the man. It's Lurpak. I want yeah, 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 yeah. And you go like just fuck off. Yeah. And like the Guinness advert. I think they do it in Guinness adverts as well. And it's just like you just like go this fucking uh, pub poetry is yeah. just like it makes my ball shrivel. Well, it's always trying I got to be a to sort write of one. Northern, mm. and I, I might have signed an NDA. I can't remember, but oh. I, 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 but I, I, for a brand of um, snack, mm. they were trying to do this really long one about Britishness, mm. and I was like, well, already I hate it, but I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll write it because if you use it, I'm rich. And then I spent ages writing this poem, and then they sent me this grime artist who had recorded it as like a rap. And they'd taken so many. I'd like there was far too many syllables for it to be wrapped. It would have to be a slow poem, like they told me it would be. And then this grown artist had taken so much out of it, and it was just like. And they'd put like this really jingoistic music behind it, <laughs> like this really British like marching music behind it, and it was just like fucking. It. it was it was pretty tense, yeah. And I th- and I kept saying to them, I'm gonna take my name off it. Um, they were like, Don't worry, you'll be credited. You'll be fully credited. And I was like, If you use it, I must insist that. I'm not it credited. never traces back to me at any point. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, that's weird. But it is, yeah. It's always a regional accent. Yeah, it's always well. It's always someone putting on a. Sometimes it's quite good. There was, but it was a musical thing. They did a musical thing with two sisters that were singing. Oh, Flo and Joan. Was that? A- yeah, yeah, they're good. Those ones are good. That was good. But when it's the poets and they're like in a photo booth. No. Have you seen that? And then, and then, like they're sort of like mates. Yeah, what the, t- the girl and the boy that are mates in the photos? Yeah. Well, she's basically friend zoned him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're just like going and they're just like doing a little um, mutual poem about how good compromise is, mm. and then the ad because the adverts are for. Or there's We've one in agreed a, not to have sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or there's one in a calf where they're like uh, talking about how we always eat together, whatever the weather, we eat together. Mm. It's like yeah, but weather's not doesn't affect diet. Well, it does actually because uh, because comes. if it rains all the time, then uh, there's going to be uh, uh, less vegetation because it's all been drowned. I think, in a chippy, I think, but yeah, I'm just talking growth. about I'm I just understand. talking about basically harvests and how harvests work. About time! I've been waiting all show for you to bring up harvests. Uh, yeah. When you say you're I'm a fan of buffalo wings, uh, what does that mean? You know, buffalo wings. Yeah, yeah, I thought it might have been something young and cool. Yeah, but it's a reality show. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You mean buffalo wings? I mean buffalo wings, So, yeah. uh, do you like buffalo sauce? Yeah. I've got a problem with buffalo sauce. Go on, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't like, I, I don't like buffalo sauce. I like chicken wings. But, um, you don't like... What do you mean? I just don't like buffalo sauce. You don't sauce. like the flavour? I don't... Bit, I of, don't, bit of blue cheese? I love hot sauce, but yeah. I don't necessarily love buffalo what sauce. What hot sauces do you like? Um... Holy fuck sauce Have you had that Yeah A bit much for me Oh man The bacon Holy fuck sauce mm. Is that re- is that like Really hot Scoville wise It's so fucking hot But, is it but then I've got used to it now It's so delicious It's is sweet it? okay. Can I ask okay. a, um, You would love it It's delicious it's, mm. Can I ask a uh, Personal question mm. What's it like on the ass Oh it just goes Straight through Yeah <laughs> Yeah. But you and you feel me and Romesh were addicted to holy fuck sauce when we were um, filming Reluctant Landlord. Mm. And um, but are you like, is it are you stressed when you're then getting rid of it? Is uh, it a stressful experience? You don't want to eat it 15 minutes away from a toilet. Romesh is vegan right, as right, well, right. so it probably is 
going it's all coming out yeah it's all coming out yeah let's not talk about uh, other people's shit I've got I've got I've got I've got a chicken wing story do you want to hear my chicken wing story <laughs> I was in yes uh, me, me and my ex-girlfriend uh, were driving through America on our way to a Motley Crue concert that was being supported by Alice Cooper right so we were in New York State and we were driving through Buffalo and we decided to stop off in Buffalo for lunch right uh, and I was just like, well, we're in Buffalo, so let's get buffalo wings, because mm. where buff- buffalo wings come from, right? Oh, mm-hmm. is that what it is? That's what it I is. I thought they were, okay, doesn't matter. No, sure. <laughs> uh, the sauce is milked out of uh, <laughs> yeah. buffalo. Right, so we're in buffalo, and then I Google it, and there's this barbecue place called Nick's Restaurant, right? Or Nick's Barbecue. And I was just like, well, I'm Nick. So we drive there, and we get there, and it's closed, right? But not just closed, there's like newspaper over all the windows. Well, yeah, you're on holiday. And, uh, right, sure. Ha, ha, ha. This is a good story. <laughs> Don't ruin it with your youth. Right? And, uh, and, uh, so all the, there's newspaper all over the windows and the place is closed down, right? Ages ago, right? And you go, oh, right. You know. And I'm just like, well, I saw, we saw a bar when we were actually in the town centre. So why don't we go back to the bar? So we go back to this bar and we go, they probably sell buffalo wings and they're kind of like, right, there's something in the window. And you go, yeah, sure. And so we go to this car park and, uh, the guy at the car park, we're in Buffalo for hours, like a couple of hours, right? Uh, and we've never been before. And the guy at the car park says, oh, well, um, you can't park here unless you're happy to pay because there's an event. And we're like, oh, God, how much is it? And he says, uh, it's like $2. And we're like, sure. And what's the event? And he said, the annual Buffalo Wing Festival. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, what? And it was in a baseball stadium. And we went in this baseball stadium and everything is Buffalo Wings, right? Did I have this audience before? No, never had this before. Everything is Buffalo Wings where there's like, uh, there's a band that are playing uh, uh, popular songs where they've put the word chicken in it. (laughs) No! They sell sell these sort of like uh, little kind of, uh, what's your, raffle tickets for a dollar each and each one equates to a chicken wing and there are hundreds of stalls there's like a hard rock cafe stall and then there's just kind of like loads of people that have got their own stalls and everyone's frying wings and you just go up and you get in a queue and they have different like uh, different varieties of hot flavor this is a whole baseball Mm. stadium filled with it there are events on stage one there's a paddling pool that is filled with blue cheese dressing and people with snorkels and goggles that are bobbing for wings. That oh sounds disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. Absolutely, they would be gross. kind of like they'd come but out. Great. They'd come out covered in blue cheese mayonnaise, and when they'd be breathing out of their nose, these huge bubbles. Oh, it was just absolutely wow. disgusting, right? Right. And we get. So I love it. It's just it was incredible. I buy a, a foam hat that's shaped like a chicken wing, right? And uh, I'm walking around like this. It's just it was just like <laughs> absolutely incredible. And then so we get in this queue, and we both decide to go for like the hottest thing that they've got right and it's kind of like made out of ghost chilies and it's kind of like this thing and so we both get this thing and uh, we we have a wing each right and i'm just saying it's the hottest thing <laughs> it was so hot i not because i was sad it's so hot 
I instantly burst into tears, right? And she <laughs> and, and flames. And she wet herself. Right? Oh my god. It was so hot. Oh my it was god. so hot we cried and pissed ourselves. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it was like uh, it was like there was somehow like the our bodies were trying to get liquid into our mouths yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just by like excreting all the liquid. It was inc- it was insane. But uh, and, and like, we were there for like and a that's couple the only, of hours. Is that, so is that the only wing that you ate at this in this no, baseball stadium of wings? Oh, right, fuck for that. And then at the end, we kind of like went for the hottest. Bit one. of a kicker for someone who doesn't like buffalo sauce. <laughs> in the end, it is was, that when you found out? No, it wasn't all buffalo sauce. It was different types of oh, hot right, sauce. But it was a buffalo buffalo wing festival. But like fucking, hell, it was so hot. Um, uh, and we were like there for like two hours, and it was the annual. You know the the chances of those two things uh, meeting. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. Just I'm incredibly jealous of that. There's a place that's opened up near me called Wingman's, and they do these buffalo wings, and I'm essentially single-handedly keeping them in business. Oh wow! <laughs> Where'd you live? Uh, NW2. Do you want the full? Uh, no. Where Northwest. I? I'm N7. Right. Okay. Oh, Wingman sounds great then. Wingman's. They think there's there's a couple, but it's like it's relatively new. It's have, fucking amazing. All different types of wings, but a place called the Chicks. Buffalo ones. There's a, pl- there's a place called Chicks on Fire around the corner from where I am, and then there's right. also Chicken Sours. Have you ever been? To yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Lloyd Griffith did an episode of my. Uh, yeah, I like Chicken Sours. Chicken Sours. That's is, great. Is great. Yeah. As well. Right, we've got to play a game really quickly. Okay, this is the game race. Wrong music. This is better or worse, and you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before, beginning with Jack Nicholson. Is Jack Black better or worse than Jack Nicholson? Worse. Worse, he is worse. Joan and Collins. there are correct answers. Well, it's entirely based on my own opinion. Oh, it's you. Okay, right. The, is the, Joan the Collins been explained. better or worse than Jack Black? Worse. worse. She is worse. Is Joan Cusack better or worse than Joan Collins? Better. Better. Is John Cusack better or worse than worse. Joan Cusack? I think he is worse, you know. Fuck John Cusack. John I stand Tra- by that for the rest John of my Travolta life. John Travolta better or worse than John Cusack? Oh, Cusack. I don't like Cusack and I don't like Travolta, but I'll say better. I think, yeah, I think better. Travolta is better than Cusack. John Belushi better or worse better. than John Travolta? Mm. Fuck Travolta, mate. Well, fine, I worse. think maybe worse, yeah. James Belushi better or worse than John Belushi? Worse. Worse, yeah. <laughs> is James Earl Jones better or worse than James Belushi? Better, yeah. Better. Is James Franco better or worse than James worse. Earl Jones? Worse, yeah. All right, that's a high ten score. Out yeah. ten. Oh. Is it 10 out of 10? Oh. Is that 10 out of 10? It's 10 I mean, out of 10. Really? It's not 8. It's, that's a 10 out of 10. That's a 10 out of 10. He got it right. I can't see where you failed. What did he failed. get wrong? What did he get wrong? There was some deliberation no, on some, yeah, yeah. but I eventually settled on all the correct answers. I reckon you, uh, I think... We might need a I steward's think, inquiry, but I think you... I think we'll have to listen to that. I think that was a 10 out of 10. I, what that, happens if you get 10 out of 10? Just that no one ever gets a 10 out of 10. Well, we've had three we've people had got three. 10 out of 10. Oh, well. you know, lowest, the it. lowest was three out of 10 with Sam Ashurst, but I mean, that was last season, so now it's just... It's, Every, it's, oh, right, we're not right. mentioning the last season now because it's a clean slate. It's been, it's been going really well this year. We've both got eight out here. Okay. Um, all right. Oh, right, you got eight. Is that what you're saying that you got? Yeah, but what did he get? He no, he didn't get eight. He got ten. Well, let's let's. I don't know. I didn't know where you dropped a point I think, there. I don't. I don't think it was possible. Go on. What's the list again? Okay. I'll do it again. Why don't I do it again and then we can? <laughs> Jack Nicholson. But Jack Black. Jack better or worse than Jack Nicholson? He said Jack, Nich- Jack Black was worse. worse yes. Right? Yeah. Joan Collins. Jack Black's better. Yeah. Yes. Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack's better. better. Yeah. Than John, Collins. John Cusack. Joan Cusack's worse. Better. Worse. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Travolta Better John B- Belushi 
I can't. I no. think I said Belushi. I said Belushi was better. No, you didn't. You said Belushi was worse. Then Travolta. Yeah. James what is the, what is the you answer? Said, you said you said John Belushi was better, did he? Yeah, John Blue yeah, was better. Yeah, so maybe you dropped a point and on that you, one, did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I don't like Travolta, mate. I wouldn't have gone Travolta. I would, wouldn't have put him high. That would be it. But then you said Jim Belushi was... Uh, worse than John. Yeah. James Earl Jones was better, better than James. And James Franco was worse Whoa. than James. At least a nine, nine. Least a nine, nine. or a ten. It's got to be nine. Okay, okay. This it's got to be nine. I'll All take right. a ten, uh, sure. Th- thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Reese. Good luck Thank in you. Edinburgh. Thank you. Uh, and you too. Don't die. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.